So most of them I don't remember because I woke up, you know, in the pits, in the chair, asking where I was at or maybe even in the hospital. So uh, I've definitely had my good share of tank slappers. Episode 20, Tank Slapping Podcast. We're going to call this Chris Carr, Jared Vandercoy, Johnny Murphy, Matt Weidman. A lot of 20s, Sammy. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. I'm, uh, what'd you think of that fight club? Ah, uh, uh, I will get into that. You know, I, I enjoyed it. Before we get too far into that, I want to make sure we thank our sponsors. Help keep the show going every week. Bell Power Sports, all three champions from the American Flat Track Series wore the Bell Race Star Flex last season. Check out bellhelmets.com. Check out their full line of products. The quality and safety is unmatched. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. Also want to give a shout out to the Moto America Series. They are the official AMA road racing series in the USA, led by 190 mile an hour superbikes. They have 10 race weekends at top tracks, including Road America, Laguna Sega, Indianapolis, and Road Atlanta. All day racing with five classes each day. Family fun, kid zone, free carnival games, all kinds of stuff going on at, that, at those events. There are various ticket packages to choose from. You can find out all the information on MotoAmerica.com. And they also have a banging TV package, Fox Sports 2, live Saturday and Sunday super bikes. And then in races after the weekend, they have um, coverage on MAV TV along with Moto America Rewind and Junior Cup Class on Fox Sports 2. Again, check out MotoAmerica.com. Follow them on social media for for that coverage. Really good coverage. A lot of flat track racers and riders participate in that series. So um, let's support that as well. And I want to welcome our newest sponsor to the podcast, Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas. They are a commercial and industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience. Jerry Stinchfield is one of the biggest supporters in the Flat Track Series, sponsors various teams and riders. For information on what they offer, check out commercialroofsystems.net. You won't be disappointed. Jerry does a lot for the sport and has a really, really strong work, work ethic. I really appreciate that guy. So thanks again to Roof Systems for supporting our show. Our guest for this week, man, Sean Russell, Sammy, California boy. You stoked on uh, Stubbs coming on the show tonight? Absolutely, man. Uh, me and Sean go way back. I remember him from his uh, his earliest days of racing at, at the Lodi Cycle Bowl. And, I mean, I consider him a little guy, even though he's probably taller than, uh, uh, taller than me. But uh, he was, uh, you know, when he was a little kid, man, he was like extra little. So, you know, when he first showed up uh, – around Lodi, it was, uh, it was like, Hey man, who's that little guy? And next thing you know, he's flying around and obviously, well, you know, his, uh, his talents took him to the levels, uh, that we all know him by. Yeah. And for those that don't know, Sean Russell, former national number 28, really accomplished racer. He still actually races here and there. He raced a couple rounds, I think two years ago on the, uh, the racing unlimited, the all green Alan Rodenborn weapons. So yeah, I, you know, he still races. I think he's in his career. He's had eight or nine podiums, which is, you know, it's really hard to get one podium. And and Sean has eight or nine podiums. I know he had two back to back at Springfield Mile. Uh, I want to say it was 06, 07, one of those years. I think it was 06. Really, really cool guy. Murphy, if you listen to the Murphy episode, he talked about Sean Russell a lot in that episode. We call him Stubbs. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I really like Sean, man. He's always 
been really cool with me coming up as a rookie always took me aside and offered advice when he could and he's just a good friend a good guy and i'm looking forward to having him on and getting some insight on some of the races he's done over his career and what he thinks of the sport right now yeah, Corey, I'm uh, I'm excited to talk to him. It's been a while. Last time I, I ran into him, I think, was at, like, the Indy GP. So it's been a little while since I got to, you know, talk to Sean. It's going to be good. And I know you mentioned he had um, uh, quite a few podium finishes. But to go along with that, man, he, uh, he won some hot shoe races on, on a twin against guys like Carr and, and uh, Cool Beth. So he had some good rides uh, in that hot shoe series as well that were uh, no joke. Yeah, 883 rider has uh, some good finishes in the 883 class. I think he finished runner-up in the points one year to Willie McCoy. I don't know all the specific stats, but Stubbs is an excellent rider. Before we call him up, let's talk a little bit Fight Club. That was kind of the big news in flat track. Very interesting. They took four riders from the past, four riders from the present. They had like three-lap shootout races. It was pretty short, each little head-to-head matchup. I thought it was neat, man. The concept was cool. You could tell, though, that they kind of weren't pushing, kind of making a show out of it, which in flat track, it's cool because high-lowing each other and things like that is pretty awesome. But, yeah, you could tell also when the final came around, Carr versus Meese, things were getting a little serious. You know, you can tell their race lines. When they go in to the corner and they don't drift high, you know that shit's getting real. And I I picked Meese to win from the beginning. I just know... Jared is a try-hard kind of guy, and uh, whether it's a serious race or for fun race or bicycle racing in someone's basement, he wants to win. So it, it was cool. It was I, Fight Club's a bad word to describe it. It was a lot of camaraderie and laughing and joking around, but it was it was pretty cool to see some of those guys suit back up, Springer, Parker, and things like that. So what did you think, Sammy? Well, um, as you heard at the beginning of the show, I kind of jumped the gun and wanted to talk about Fight Club right away. Uh, That means I'm just pretty excited to talk about it, I guess. You know, I was kind of confused about it, and I felt like I had to be a detective to figure out what Fight Club was. And come to find out, I guess it's this organization that puts on all kinds of uh, Fight Club events. I mean, they even do like a barbecue throwdown. They do all kinds of motocross, this, that, obviously now flat track all in all, a pretty cool, you know, event, you know, in theory. Um, I was uh, I was kind of like you at first. I was like, oh, man, you know, this is a – yeah, you kind of see the guys. They weren't really going for it at first. And I was like, man, is this going to be a, a for fun deal or, or are they going to get down and get it on? And by the end of the night, man, they, they, they were getting it on for sure. And I got to say, uh, you know, my, Jared was my pick. And, you know, he's a tough competitor in his prime. And that's a hard guy to go against. But um, hats off, to use Jared's line there, hats off to Chris Carr, man. That guy went toe-to-toe with Jared Meese in his prime. And Chris is, what, 50, damn near 55 years old, you know? And he was whipped. (laughs) As you see, he he had the oxygen mask going, man. Yeah. No, to be fair, you watch an Astro Cup race with the guys that do it, you know, for fun, there might be one or, you know, Davey Darogo is really good on the Astro and Kevin Barnes and some of those guys, you know, those beat up Astros, they go really well. But you put, you know, putting Chris Carr, Joe Cop, Jared Meese, Brian Smith, Halbert, you watch them ride the Astros. That's something I can get with. You know, you put guys that are just hammering on them, the sound of it. And 
I was bummed. I didn't hear like a ton of compression release, man. I, I was uh, expecting to hear the all, and I just didn't hear. I didn't hear a lot of it. You know, when I wrote an Astro, I used it a ton. I was like, man, this this is badass. Um, but to be fair, and a, a complaint that I had, the audio sucked. Uh, that's what I was gonna touch base on. If you turned it up and you listened really close. You could hear a little compression release going on, but it was really faint. So I, I don't know who or when or where, but I know I heard it a few times out there, uh, at least when they were going into turn one. So I don't know who it was, but somebody out there was definitely using it. It was just real faint. Yeah, yeah, the audio was, man, I don't know. I mean, $20 I thought was a little steep, to be honest. I think they could have sold, I think they could have over overall the whole deal. I think they could have made a lot more money if they um, did it for like nine ninety nine, you know, just a lot more people would have would have paid for it. You make more money per draw with twenty, but I think you would have had a lot more buyers at nine ninety nine. Unless you're a hardcore fan or a family or you know a friend of one of the riders, it's tough to just to tune in for twenty bucks, you know. So trying to explain it to somebody that's not a diehard fan, they're not going to tune in for twenty bucks. But nine ninety nine to watch a race during this quarantine and. Uh, I think a lot more motorsports fans would have tuned in. Like, I don't think a lot of off-road people would have tuned in just to watch Sipes go in a circle for $20. But $9.99 might have drawn them in. So, um, But overall, yeah, it was cool, man. I, I enjoyed it. I uh, I liked the Parker car camaraderie the night before. I thought that was pretty entertaining. Springer was cracking me up when he was talking about the bike he was riding. Uh, it, it was just good, man. Uh, it, was, it was generally... Generally speaking, I was, you know, I thought it was cool. So it was, it was good, good, good stuff. Yeah, I'm with you, Corey. You know, I'm with you on a couple points you made there. I think it's better to make uh, three nickels than uh, than go for a dime. You know, it's easier to make three nickels than a dime. Yeah, and, and you know, at the end of the night, man, I was pumped up watching that final uh, between Mies and Carr. So I was pumped. I was excited, and that was fun. So for me, you know, being a diehard fan, the 20 was uh, well spent. Big shout out to uh, to, to Brian Smith, man. I, I was uh, I was kind of impressed with his skills on the Astro. I know he doesn't have a lot of experience on one, and I think he adapted well. Yeah, B. Smith looked good. Uh, all those guys look good. Even Sipes, man. Sipes kind of impressed me. He was he was getting around pretty good. True. So so that was, uh, yeah, props to those guys, all the riders. And uh, the best part of the whole weekend, if you go on Jared Meese's page, he did like a live fan walk the night before uh, the race. I guess it was Monday night. It's pretty funny. Like, <laughs> that's the funniest part of the whole, the whole deal. Like, Meese's pit walk was way better than... Even the fireside chat, really, like it was the fireside chat. I thought there'd be more shit talk, and there was a lot of uh, holding hands, kind of like Rainbow Club type type stuff going on. Like I thought there'd be more like firing firing each other up and getting feisty. Like Sipes was the only one that was kind of like not smiling, throwing jabs. You know, there was a couple friendly jabs here and there, but uh, most of it was just like camaraderie. How much fun they're gonna have? How much you know s- stuff like that? I just couple more jabs would have got me on the edge of my seat a bit more it's just i was waiting for like some parker car oklahoma city references or meese and smith tire gate you know just like yeah. something to spice up the action a little but yeah it was and and cop and the, uh, sammy threw a jab at cop i guess he's like yeah i respect all these other guys but you not so much like i'm gonna slam into you so there's a there's leave it to sammy to throw something something in there uh, along those lines you know but yeah it was it was cool 
Yeah, it was good, man. It was good. Uh, may- maybe uh, next year, Corey, uh, you could be a part of that, and uh, you can uh, take the gloves off and, and throw some punches. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know, I'm I'm game for sure, especially after a few land sharks. It would it'd be fun to mix it up with those guys. The only other thing, man, I the first District Six race of the year was uh, last weekend as well, Trailway Speedway. So. Quite a few boys showed up for that event. Some Indiana riders in Ohio, Pennsylvania, of course, Delaware, New York. It was pretty good. We had 30 riders in the in the singles classes, and I was able to kind of spin some laps on a Rotax. It's been 10 years since I've, I've ridden a Rotax. I don't have a lot of time on one. You know, I got to ride Tommy Hannum's Rotax, which is a really cool Rotax. I just, I just not a big Rotax fan, man. I just like. I just it feels vintagey to me. I, I I couldn't get a handle on it. I was struggling a bit on the Rotax, but I, I did get on my twin. I felt really good on that bike. I was able to win the heat in the final on my my personal twin, so that was dope. I had a good time riding that bike, but yeah, I just struggled on the tax. I I got to get some some Rotax tips. Can't, from. can't believe that man. You're showing your age, Corey. You're showing your age. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to ask Russell for some Rotax tips. I I couldn't. I was struggling, bro. I could not figure it out. And then I jumped on my DTX bike, my 450, for the last, for the semi, and then the main event. I was able to work my way through traffic and and get a fifth. Uh, you know, we ran pretty late, so it was only a six lap main event, which obviously I'm not a fan of. But it was like midnight, so we had to run through it. And yeah, it was it was good. It was good to mix it up, see some green lights. I feel really really good, man. I'm excited to get the season going. You know, it's it's been a long, a long time. I feel like I've utilized my time well, and I'm anxious. So, yeah, let's call Russell, man. I I, I want to talk to him, see what, we'll see what he's been up to. Let's give Sean Russell a call, Carter. Stubbsy. Hello? Yo, bro. Corey Texter, Sammy Sabedra, Tank Slap and Pod. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? Ah, uh, just peachy, dude. Just living the dream. Just I don't know, waiting for racing to start. Just I don't know, not much going on. <laughs> what have you been up to? You been riding at all, or? Yeah, that's crazy times for you guys, huh? No, uh, no racing. Just uh, sitting in limbo. Yeah, it's it's weird for sure. We like I I mentioned before to a couple people like we had an off season like we typically typically do in the winter. We got like one day from the season opener, and then it's just like off season part two. So it's it's been it's been weird. <laughs> I bet. Uh, no riding for me, unfortunately. Uh, it's been too long. I need to get back on a bike and and uh, have some fun. Yeah, Sean. Hey, man. Uh, first of all, you know, thanks for taking the time to come on the show. But I don't know uh, a voice from your past, from your mini bike days, Sammy Sabedra here. So I know it's been a yeah, little while absolutely. since I. But since I got to talk to you and see, I think it was uh, Indy was last time uh, we we chatted it up a little bit. But man, it's good to, good to have you on the show. I'm excited to talk about a lot of things and uh, you know mainly just uh, there's a lot of you know you've been away from the sport a little bit, so there's a lot of uh, young guys that have come on and may not be too familiar with uh, who you are. Um, that's uh, that's a shame, I think, because it's a crime. Uh, it's a crime. It's a crime, man. You're a talented guy, man. You're a guy that could have damn near won Springfield. I don't know how many times, but you were you were a, a, a beast at Springfield. What made you so good at Springfield? I don't really have one one answer. Uh, I think I was just comfortable with the speed from pretty much day one. You know, like 
any any of the bigger tracks uh i say day one like on you know when i got to ride the miles the first time i rode a mile i think was du on 883 um but i had done a little bit of road racing before that so you go around daytona um you know on a on a three or 600 and uh, quite a bit of speed difference so to get to get on a mile track um i I was always just comfortable with it it was kind of weird because uh that was a track where no matter what uh everything just kind of felt slow uh no energy and then you talk to other people who were nervous there and uh they'd be like i get so tired and um kind of kind of just a weird thing you know i think it's it's a mental a mental issue but for me it was just always comfortable um i had good bike setups and uh we didn't you know we had good bikes uh good jim kelly built a great xr 750 it was never the fastest bike uh but it was competitive and it, and it lasted 25 laps i mean we we didn't have very many mechanical failures you've had nine podium finishes in the premier class which i didn't realize you had that many that's super impressive i, I know of a few of them the two springfields uh peoria I don't know all of them, but talk about those podium finishes. Maybe fill me in on a couple. And which one was like, you know, maybe a win that you just got away or any regrets or anything you would have done differently? Uh, no, it was good. There was, a, a, you know, a lot of different tracks, a lot of mile tracks. Uh, some of the fun ones were like uh, some of the New York kind of mile, 5'8", like big, big half mile, mile tracks. They would call them a mile, I think. We would get there in the daytime, and it'd be a cushion track, and I wasn't always that good on those. And then, uh, you know, come the main event time, unfortunately, I'd be starting on the third row, and there'd be like a one- or two-foot-wide notch. And uh, I think I got like a couple podiums on those, you know, two or three. Uh, so that was those were fun. Um, definitely a lot of close things. You know, Cal Palace, I didn't finish on the podium, but – uh, was pretty much the fastest guy all day there. And then, unfortunately, didn't understand the starting. I mean, I, I, I was riding a Rotax, and it wouldn't come off the line compared to the, the Honda, you know, the motocross bikes, 450. So I got beat off the line. It was like fourth or fifth the first lap and just tried to be competitive. And uh, somebody knocked me down, like going down the front straight on the first lap. So uh, I had to restart on the back. And then there was another red flag. I was still like near the back of the field. I started off the racetrack and then I think we finished fourth. So that was kind of disappointing, just letting wins like that go. Um, but uh, there was a couple of those things at Springfield. I remember the coin. I got third uh, one night and bike blew up down the back straightaway. Um, the whole cam, uh, you know, system was in a million pieces when we came off the track. So uh, that was unfortunate. Just, you know, you look back at those and uh, so many times so close. But, um, uh, you know, I guess there should always be a reason that you make it happen regardless of somewhere. And I don't know. Kind of good, I guess. Yeah, you know, I mean, you won some. Uh, I I know you won some hot shoe uh, main events on a twin against. Uh, I, there's one race in particular. I think it was uh, in, in Missouri. There was a hot shoe that had a pretty stacked field. I mean, cool Beth Carr, a lot of guys there. So you won some hot shoes on the twin as well, right? 
Yeah, uh, Hot Shoes won a lot of 883 races uh, back when that was kind of a series and going for those championships. Uh, just never quite got to uh, the top step on a, a, you know, in the Twins class or on XR or whatever, whatever you know category you want to call it. That changed names a few times throughout the years. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you kind of mentioned the 883. I know you, uh, you had a pretty good 880, 883 career. That's a tongue twister there, but um, you almost. I know you almost won a championship there, and uh, tell us a little bit about your 883 career because, I mean, you you went from Lodi, and then all of a sudden it seems like uh, Bartels Harley-Davidson was Team Lodi. It was like you, Johnny Murphy, Eric Bostrom, Billy Martin, like all these Lodi boys had an 883 ride with uh, with Bill Bartels, and, and the 883 series, was how'd that come together, and like, you know, how was your, uh, I know your 883 series was pretty, uh, or career was fairly successful. You, you almost won a championship, right? Yeah. So, you know, that was obviously the support class at the time, kind of a awkward bike. Um, it had some good things about it, some not good things about it. You know, it definitely was heavy and, and, um, you know, got you used to the weight of, uh, what the XR was going to be. Um, got to ride all the national tracks, travel, so that was good. Um, just kind of a weird, uh, lucky position, you know, uh, growing up. It was just kind of for fun. We didn't really know anything about doing it for a career. My family just, uh, you know, it was just for fun. But um, got to be, you know, 16 when you can get your pro-am license, I think it was called at the time. And you could ride the 883s at the Nationals. So the races came to California for the final uh, little swing. And um, I was uh, just reached out to some people to see about renting a bike. And there was none available. I think like Maroney's and Bartels were kind of the ones that rented bikes. Uh, I called a couple other places. But uh, I think like Mike Hacker and Jay Springsteen were in championship hunt during that and there was like three or four races out there so nobody had any bikes uh so i just went to the races like i always did sacramento uh del mar things like that and um you know talked to the guys talked to uh rick hutchins who was the team manager at bartels then of course i knew eric and ben from growing up at lodi with them uh so it was just kind of easy to talk to them and then uh went to the last race at del mar talked to him some more and like a month or something later, they called and were like, hey, we're going to have a test day. Uh, you want to come down and, and ride a little bit? And uh, I did, and pretty much that was it. They hired me, um, me, Johnny, Billy Martin, and uh, sent us on our way. It was kind of interesting time. It's the beginning, first couple of years, but uh, definitely a lot of experience. We survived it and, uh, you know, put me in the position that I was in to do the do the rest of my time on the series. I never rode the 883. I've heard bad things, uh, obviously. Uh, you've had some good success on it. How bad were those bikes, and why did you why did you fit so well in them? They were big hunks of shit, and you, uh, you did pretty well on them. So what was the <laughs> what was the seeker, man? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, the, you know, Bartels was very successful in that class, uh, along with Maroney's. Uh, had some good success, and then I got uh, hooked up with Tony Miller and his outfit um, out of Houston, Texas. We kind of teamed up uh, between Bartels and them and went after the championship. Um, 
And I don't know. They just, uh, you just kind of had to ride them. Uh, you just had to, you know, you couldn't override them. You couldn't, you'd be super aggressive on them. They were just kind of, kind of there at the time I was riding them. We were using street tires. So definitely places that it would be sketchy, but you know, you get somewhere, uh, that was a good track like Springfield or something like that. And, um, they, they weren't, they weren't too bad. I mean, it definitely wasn't a, a race bike, an XR or a Rotax or anything like that, but, um, you had to respect that. Uh, you riding them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no power to get you out of trouble. They were heavy. Um, but, uh, I don't know, just that's what you had to do at the time. You're young. It's you kind of crazy or... actually. Like, sorry, to interrupt you, but man, you guys, the way things are now, you start up on a 450 dirt bike and then you graduate to the twin Back then, they were taking 16-year-old kids like yourself, throwing you on a 580-pound street bike, and then you yeah. were told to go ride a 750. I mean, after you got off that thing, riding the 750 probably felt like a XR100. I mean, the, like, what? how bad could it be after you ride an 883? You know what I mean? Like, it probably wasn't too bad of a deal. A lot different, obviously. The weight was less, but the power was a lot more. Uh, totally different riding. You know, an XR, you had to be super aggressive. You, you know, you had to have throttle control. You had to ride the bike. You could move it around. And um, the 883s, you know, you just kind of sat on them and, and rode them. They were, I mean, <laughs> you could get in trouble on them pretty easy. So, so they were, you know, you definitely had to respect what, what they were and not a race bike. So, you know, you talked a little bit about your racing and, you know, from 883 to riding 750s. And, and uh, I know you made some, obviously, you know, you, you grew up riding with Johnny Murphy. Uh, a lot of people uh, that listen to the show, Johnny was on the show earlier, a few episodes back. And those that weren't too familiar with uh, the kind of guy Johnny was, got familiar with him and in, in, in the way Johnny operates, you know. Uh, but, you know, I know you went on the road with Johnny. I'm sure you got a couple Johnny Johnny Murphy stories. If, uh, we would love to hear, but you also came, uh, I, I know you spent some time up in Michigan with the Springer man, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, lived there at the time I would kind of go back and forth. I'm not really a fan of cold weather. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I was Same. a teenager, early twenties. <laughs> I would spend the summers in Michigan and then go back to California, uh, in the wintertime. You know, everybody would say, oh, you get used to it. You get used to it. I, I don't really see how, and I've definitely never got used to the cold. So I don't know. It's just uh, prefer prefer the summertime, prefer the warm weather. Yeah. What's the What's the biggest difference in hanging out with Springer, or hanging out with Murphy? I mean, those guys are two polarizing dudes. So, uh, you know, what was that like, and how was your relationship with them guys? Definitely, definitely a lot different people. Uh, you know, Jay is such a great guy. Uh, you know, growing up as a kid, watching him and, and being a fan of, you know, the sport and all the people. And, and then to be able to be teammates with him for eight, uh, eight years or something, however long it was, uh, was a lot of fun. You know, it, it was just kind of a, it had two sides to it. You know, when you're hanging out with him during the week, Super good guy. Uh, you know, he's won three championships, 41 races, and probably the most popular person in the sport. And he's just super down to earth, doesn't really care about what he has. I mean, as long as he's got a fishing pole and and, uh, and some beer, he's he's happy. Yeah. You know, he doesn't need a new car or, 
or uh, or nice things. He just uh, enjoys his buddies, enjoys having fun. So that was good. Uh, he lives on a lake up in Michigan, so to spend time there and and uh, and see him in his element and play, and we'd go trail riding up north. It, it was a lot of fun. Um, as far as at the racetrack, that was that was tough. You know, you got uh, here. I was a young young kid coming onto the scene, trying to learn something. You know, he's so talented; he doesn't even know. <laughs> Getting that knowledge just didn't really come. Uh, you know, you, you were hoping to, that he could tell you to do this or do that or how to set your bike up. But uh, that wasn't necessarily something that you got. You know, Jay, he could probably ride a square wheelbarrow around the racetrack faster than anybody else could ride the best tra- bike in the pits. So that's kind of what I had to work with, you know, sitting next to him or in the same truck. But uh, overall, just a great time, a great thing in my life to be able to do that. And um enjoyed that time that's pretty cool for sure man i mean uh living legend so to get to know him on a personal level and, and hang out with him that's pretty cool sean now that you've been away from the sport do you follow it and if you do how closely do you follow it uh i do follow it um you know i've rode up until just a couple of years ago now that uh you know with the indian deal i've tried to ride more i've still tried to ride the last couple of years but it just uh isn't really possible. It's not fun to go somewhere and not be competitive um, for me and uh, never had an opportunity to get to an Indian and ride one. So, so, uh, and then now, you know what the way the rules are, it's pretty tough to, to even go ride unless I go down a class or something like that. I do follow it. Last year was good to see Briar. Um, you know, I've known them for a while. They stayed at my house. Uh, quite a bit the first couple years they were traveling back here so it was good to see what he did last year and 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 how his season progressed um that was good uh as far as going to the races i didn't go to any races last year that was probably the first time since you know the mid 80s that i didn't go to a national um but for me it was just tough mentally Uh, like i said i still want to ride but to go and do that and watch and then kind of get that, that burn again. So I just kind of stayed away. It would have been good to go and see a lot of friends that I had met and I didn't get to see them, but um, uh, maybe someday. Yeah. What would it, I mean, you mentioned possibly, you know, you would have to move to a different class to be competitive. Like what would it take for Sean Russell to line up in the AFT singles class or production twins possibly you know if you had to pick one or the other what what would you do and what would it take i mean would you consider a deal if it if something came up like on the table you know i I don't really know the singles uh i would say definitely not unless it was somewhere like peoria or uh somewhere just fun that i wanted to ride um that uh, is an interesting class to watch nowadays you know uh, a lot of young kids trying to make themselves a name in one race. There's been, it's real competitive. Uh, obviously, been some some pretty big crashes. Unfortunately, people getting hurt. So uh, um, that's probably something that I I wouldn't necessarily be interested in unless it, like I said, was Peoria or maybe Springfield TT somewhere that was just a fun track. But um, uh, as far as the twins, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd be open for that. Uh, I still ride. I'm still in good shape. The problem is, like I said before, just finding a competitive bike. You know, the last 
several years I rode bikes here and there uh, and they would just never really run the whole day for whatever reason, whether I got on them, it was just bad luck or um, I don't really know, but uh, that was kind of frustrating because I'd go to places that I could do good and just didn't, didn't have the results. I'd go ride my own bike at Peoria and was still pretty competitive. So um, that was kind of frustrating, but uh, so I, I guess uh, to answer the question, it, it's still been in my mind, the thoughts of it, just, it would take the right deal, obviously, some time to test and do that kind of stuff, which is tough. I'm going to put you on the spot, Sean. If you had to ride the production twins class for whatever reason, but you got to choose your weapon, would you be on a Yamaha, uh, you know, uh, Yamaha? Would you be on the Harley XG? Would you? What would you pick, man? Would you pick the Kawasaki? What do you think is most appealing and why? I don't, uh, I don't really know. That's a tough question. That is, that does put you on the spot. Obviously. What bike uh, won last year? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Yamaha won. I, I've rode all three. I have never rode an, uh, XG. Obviously, uh, I'm a long time Harley person like their history in the sport and would like to see him be able to be back competitive again. I enjoyed riding the Kawasaki's that I rode. They were good. I uh, rode. I did ride a Yamaha. Uh, was a fun little bike. Honestly, I I'd be okay with any of it if it was uh, if it if I could be comfortable. That's you know the biggest thing with anybody is to be comfortable and uh, and have the bike work for you. Well, you've uh, raced in a few different eras. You know, you mentioned you know the the eighties, nineties, two thousands, two thousand tens. You know what? Uh, who were some of the tuners you've worked with over the years? Because I, I honestly don't know all of them. You know. Name some of the tuners, and who was your favorite to work with? Like, who'd you learn the most from, and who was your least favorite? <laughs> uh, least favorite? I don't know if I really had a least favorite. I got along with everybody. It Come on. Weird. You're pretty easygoing. <laughs> Come on, Sean. Give us the dirt, man. <laughs> kind of a uh, weird thing. I was my own tuner for a long time, probably too long. That, that's probably the biggest setback that I had, you know, it's tough for the sport. You have to surround yourself with, with the right people, you know, not very many people are capable of having everything mentally be the good rider and put the whole package together. Unless you have a team for a long time, I was, you know, worked on my bikes during the week, train, uh, book hotels, talk to sponsors, drive to the races. That was a big setback. I'm definitely not the most talented rider. I just wanted to win. So, um, you know, I would go somewhere struggle and try to figure out how to get better. But uh, at the same time, I was doing all that myself. So, you know, for, for too long, I, I think I did that. And that was, I think on the Jared Mees uh, deal, he talked about, you know, you learn things when you're young and he got hooked up with Johnny Goad. I remember one time we talked, Johnny and I talked about uh, doing something and it uh, didn't really work out. He, I uh, think, Mike Hacker rode for him instead, but uh, you look back at his philosophy and his uh, input on people and how he was able to get into your head and, and coach you and the people that bought into that had uh, pretty good success. Uh, you know, you look at Ricky Graham's story, um, obviously Jared, and, uh, uh, you know, he was able to do that with several people. So that's unfortunate that I didn't get to experience that. I, I think about that a lot. But uh, Ronnie Brown, uh, he was probably my first 
like real full-time mechanic. I had a guy help me before that, um, but just didn't really have any access to do anything. Uh, But Ronnie was probably the first like actual deal. We still didn't really have a budget. We didn't have very much stuff, but we did some good things with that over two years. And then from there, I went on to ride with uh, Greg Crow and his crew. That was uh, good for a couple of years. We had a lot of fun, uh, did some good races at Springfield, some places here and there. Uh, and then last was Brent R. Brewster. Um, had really good success again there, great bikes. Uh, did ride for half a year for Bill Warner, so that was good to to ride for a legend mechanic like that. Uh, the Kawasaki, I didn't really have success then. I came on mid-year, and we I just kind of struggled with that bike, but um, would have been good to be able to spend some time and, and understand his philosophies and, and get to test a little bit and get, and get it in a different direction, but, um, never got that either. So, so still, I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Maybe someone wasn't <laughs> terrible, man, but someone had to be a pain in the ass to deal with. I mean, you know how it is, man. I, Craig Rogers I, getting on you. There's gotta be somebody in there. He mentioned wanna- Warner. Man. Yeah, yeah, but that was only a half season. So, I mean, how much could Warner got on you? Oh, man, I'm with the guy for 10 minutes, and it's it's like, it's hell. Like, it's like, man. Bill, Bill, Bill is interesting. You know, he's uh, uh, obviously he doesn't have a good, I mean, a lot of people like him. A lot of people don't like him in the sport. He had a lot of success. Uh, some people don't like that. Or, you know, he's got the big, big boar Bill title. Uh, I drove with him. Some <laughs> How did he get that? He's got some, he's got some uh, quirky things about him. You know, he's he's really smart. Obviously, he's got you know the way that he talks is just different. It's not it's hard to carry on a normal conversation with him because he talks uh, like he's a professor or something. You know, just the language that he uses is kind of just different. It's not everyday normal talking. So yeah, it, it is uh, it is a little bit tough. But uh, it would have been good to be around him when he was younger in, you know, the Scott Parker days or the Bill Warner days. and, and The non-green shoelace that. days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> for Bill, like, I have a lot of respect for him. I think he's super intelligent. He's done a lot of great things. He's probably, one of the, probably the best, if not one of the best tuners that we've ever seen in the sport. I just think he's an asshole, but that's another topic. You know, I, I got respect <laughs> for the guy. I just, man, he's just... He's just not a very nice dude to, uh, from my experiences. But, you know, you're like you mentioned, you're an easy guy to get along with. So that's good for most tuners. You know, I'm, I'm more of a polarizing character, you know. So uh, for well, you, I, think, I think any tuner would probably say opposite of that. I am a pain in the ass. I hold a high standard. I required a lot as far as. Uh, you know what my bikes were i didn't want to show up and ride some piece of shit or that was falling apart you know but um handlebars loose or anything like that so um i think if you talk to some people they might have some different different opinions on that but uh for the most part you know i'm easy going on most things and um try to get along with everybody 
this has been a, a, a really great conversation, but I'll try to break your shell, Sean. I, I spent some time with you, man. And remember those summer days over Billy Martin's house. And I know you're a crack up, man. <laughs> I, I remember some, uh, some, I mean, that was uh, some good memories for me, but you know, I'm going to put you on the spot again. Cause uh, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to, you know, break your shell here, man. The show's called, you know, tank slapping. So tell me about, I mean, everybody, you know, with any kind of lengthy career, has gotten into a whopper of a tank slapper at one point in time, or you've you seen one happen. There, you have any tank slapping stories for us? Uh, I mean, I definitely had my fair share of crashes. So most of them I don't remember because I woke up, you know, in the pits, in the chair, asking where I was at, or maybe even in the hospital. So uh, I've definitely had my good share of, of, uh, of tank slappers, but, um, I don't know. None come to mind as far as, as far as that goes. Rusty Rogers on the show the other day, watching him, uh, obviously he was before my time watching those were, uh, that, I mean, that was like every week was a highlight reel, you know, watching back in that day was moto world. So, uh, I'd say he had some highlights for sure. Well, they called him the human highlight reel, right? So he's probably got more yeah. stories than everyone combined. <laughs> you know, you, you said, uh, you know, get back to talking about racing, man. You, you, uh, you know, you said you follow the sport now, um, which is cool. And I know you've been around, you're an old guy now. I, I know you're, you're, I think you're a little easy, younger than easy. me. <laughs> hey, man, yeah, hey, I'm older, so I can still call you old, <laughs> but, uh, Hey, uh, you know, you were around in like, you know, I know you didn't ride the camel pro days, but I, you know, you were sure around, you were in, you know, watching the camel pro days when you were around and your your the bulk of your career, unfortunately was at a time when there wasn't that camel money and a lot of money in the sport, you know, um, you guys, uh, man, you know, held the flag for, 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 for the sport for a long time. Uh, and, and, you know, you didn't get the easy end of the stick. That's for sure. But if you could ride your career over again, would you rather do it at that time? Or would you rather go back and like, you think you can hang with the camel pro dudes? Well, I think obviously the talent depth was a lot, you know, more in that time for a lot of reasons. The equipment was probably a lot closer the money, deal was a lot closer between a lot more people so you know before i started the 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 rider depth was obviously extreme uh and then when i came onto the scene i mean you're lining up with chris carr scott parker jay springsteen kevin atherton i mean there was more people there was people that didn't make the main event every week that could win a national you know so i definitely would rather have done it prior to when i started or when I started, um, just because, you know, the, the better riders are always going to make you a better rider. I'm not saying that the riders now aren't good. Obviously, uh, Jared, Brian Smith, Briar, you know, there's a whole bunch of talented riders, but you don't necessarily see it. There's not very many people winning. Uh, and there's, you know, like I said, there's a lot of reasons for that. The equipment, the finances, just uh, a lot of things I think have, have separated the sport. But, uh, yeah, like you said, unfortunately, when I came in, there wasn't a lot of money. The management of the sport wasn't good. Uh, every year it seemed like we say, man, if it gets any worse, there might not be any, be any flat track. And that kind of went on for pretty much the whole time I was there and, uh, seems to have gained some momentum here recently, the last, you know, 
four or five years, maybe a little bit longer than that. So that's good to see. Hopefully that continues and uh, guys can, you know, make a career and make some money at it. Yeah, it's it's a lot different now from from when even when I turned pro, things are things are way different, you know. But I don't know what it. What are your thoughts on how everything's going with the direction of the series and things like that? I mean, do you, do you like the idea of the Super Twins? Do you? Uh... That's a that's a that's a loaded question. There, that's a tough thing. Um, to to me, it's very surprising. I think obviously Michael Watt came in, uh, his group of people, he's trying to change the sport, which it needed. Uh, definitely don't agree with everything, but I haven't been able to sit down with him and understand the reasons or, or know, you know, I basically just see it secondhand and, uh, that's hard to, hard to understand. Prior to the Indian coming in, you know, I thought that there was a lot of positive things that were happening. A lot of manufacturers, a lot of different stuff. Um, the Indian came in and brought a lot of hype, a lot of attention with this new bike. It dominated at one series, but I, I don't know. In my opinion, some of that's kind of stalled off, and now you've ran off all the other manufacturers again. So um, I, I don't know which way was better or which way was worse. Obviously, time will tell that. But um, uh, like I said before, I hope everybody can continue to grow the sport and it keeps getting attention and um and things are good for the riders and the industry as, as well yeah there's there's a lot of good there's a lot of things that you know i, I question but generally speaking we're in a, a much better place for at least the riders that are able to do it you know we're able to make make a few dollars to make sense of it so the tv package and all that stuff obviously has been has been really cool it's been a lot easier for guys to get sponsors but now i just wanted to get some insight from you and i got one more question for you before we do our high low line but yeah i like to bring up the rival unfiltered rivals any rivals like you know your unfiltered podcast and you know you're like we've talked about already you're pretty easygoing guy from you know you seem to get along with everybody i was watching you know i watch a lot of old youtube videos um i'm a fan of the sport i'm a nerd of the sport and i think it was like a springfield mile 883 race it's on youtube you got kind of fiery you got you got kind of chirpy after the main event they interviewed you i forget what happened it was during your championship year because i remember you saying you know we're going for a championship i don't know if a rider took somebody out pushed ran into somebody or i think it might have been a swerve at the finish line maybe jess roeder i'm trying to remember what instance it was but anyway you're any rivals who guys you didn't really like racing with over the years who you might have gotten some arguments with uh i mean you just have that right you got heated moments you got uh somebody knocks you down or or uh you can't get past them for whatever reason they're just blocking you there was a few, obviously that 883 deal. I think that year Jess was pretty, uh, I mean, we were close in the championship for a while, but I think he pretty much had it handled. Um, it was always tough riding with him. Just, uh, you know, he was going to race you hard. His style was different and a little unique and, you know, he fell a lot. So, uh, sometimes you get tangled up in that yourself. But, you know, off the track, they were good people, had a lot of good times with, uh, like, his dad especially. And, uh, you know, they he, that that guy had to work hard. I mean, he'd be telling stories, of, you know, Joe would crash on one end and 
and Jess would crash on the end of the other end of the track <laughs> at the same time. So um, pretty uh, pretty wild there. But uh, as far as rivalries, I don't know. You know, me and Willie McCoy battled the next year for the championship. That was pretty friendly. We traveled a lot together. Uh, unfortunately, he beat me for the championship. So um, that was no good. But not really uh, people. I mean, you always had people that you don't want to ride against or, you know, they'd knock you down. There was several different people in that era but um you knew what you had going on when you lined up and, and uh just did your best to stay away from it. any uh old lodi cycle bowl rivals from way back in the day sammy Savader. <laughs> yeah we pretty much we pretty much grew up together right we uh yeah we did everything every i think every class 60s 80s yeah um, man i got a few pictures I, of us I, side I by everything. side I'll, I'll make sure to throw one up this week on social media. So, you know, whether it's Facebook or Instagram. Are you even on Instagram, by the way? No Instagram for me. Uh, I'm not a social media Facebook. guy. Well, you have to uh, check yeah. it out, man. I got a couple old dusty photos I'll throw up of me and you rubbing elbows. I got a few of them tucked away. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, there was a lot, of, a lot of good times, you know, growing up. I mean, I started at Monterey Short Track. That was a cool little place. Um, some of the R and D series races like San Jose Fairgrounds had endurathon things like two hour uh, you know, road course deals. Those were always fun. Obviously Lodi Newman, uh, with yourself, like Johnny, uh, Jake Zemke, some of them guys, um, the Bostroms. A lot of a lot of good people that made it far in, in racing, um, you know, came from there during that time. So uh, a lot of a lot of good memories from all that. Yeah, I mean, you can't go to Lodi without getting without having a rival. I mean, hell, I've ridden Lodi twice and I have Lodi rivals. Like, <laughs> I've never been to a track in the country where there's more tempers and pit arguments than, than Lodi. Like, you're always hearing about a Lodi like fight or someone's kicked out of the track. It's an exciting place to be, man. And like, when you roll out to the track. I don't even have to smoke anything to get high. It just comes from the from the grandstands. Like I, I'm always a little tipsy when I race from from the from the smoke pouring in from the grandstands. But no, it's it's actually a really cool track and uh, it's super historic. So I like going there. Yeah, growing up, uh, you know, when you're on a 80 or 250, you're always watching the pro class, and it seemed like every week there was tempers, like with. Uh, Brian and Bobby McDowell, Mark Key, you know, you some, some of them guys. You had to be aggressive to pass there, especially on a big bike. It wasn't so much so on a on a 60 or an 80 or, you know, 250. But when you started riding the Rotax, I mean, you, you had to be aggressive to make any passes. And uh, definitely somebody got their feelings hurt pretty much every week. So it was, <laughs> yeah. it was, uh, it, there was always entertainment, like you say. We could yeah. do a whole show about Lodi. We, we should do a Lodi <laughs> special, baby, and just bring the past and presence of Lodi on. Everyone that's gotten suspended, man, we'll we'll do a Lodi. Johnny a Lodi. Murphy got kicked out of Lodi. <laughs> Everybody, Johnny, I think maybe a couple times for him, right? He got yeah. he had the 105s on the 80s, and, and uh, that was a big thing back in those days, people doing that. And then uh, I don't remember. It seemed like there was another time when he got older. I don't remember what that it's crazy now like as a dad like i like i was at trailway the other day our first local opener 
and I'm getting ready to leave. It's like one o'clock in the morning, and over the announcer, the announcer Daryl Bear, he goes, "For the gentleman who protein me, we're gonna the 50 class. Please come see me. We're gonna tear down the bike." I'm like, "Holy shit! 1 a.m. The kids are five years old, and you protested." a local rate like i was just like dude what like a like cheating in the 50 class come on let the kids ride and b a 1 a.m protest oh my god i would have been so pissed like a lot of soccer dads out there you know at that age they wanted they wanted their kids more to win more than they did the kids cared about it so uh that was there was a lot of that going on i mean it's i guess it's always been a thing right there was I mean, when I was a kid, that was pretty much a lot happened to same thing. Yeah. Well, let's do our closing segment, the high low line. We got a few. None of them are too. These are more mild. First one, Rotax or 450 Framer? What are you picking? Uh, definitely Rotax. I, the 450 Framer, I, I didn't really care for those. They were kind of kind of tough, real finicky. Uh, I just I didn't really think they were that that great i prefer the dtx bikes even over the the framer but uh definitely the rutex that was a fun bike rode it for a long time obviously throughout you know it was a popular bike when i got to that age and then maintained that for a long time so uh, i'm definitely going rotex all right what would you say would be a bigger win a 750 win at a hot shoe national or an 883 national what would you rather win uh, I, I, I mean, it's always good to win. Neither of those are, you know, they're just, it, it depends on who's there, what the race is. But um, when I was riding the 883s, they were good because, you know, that's what I first started on. And you're on the national scene and the, and the spectators and all that. They're they're probably equal, I guess. The You know, the only thing that you really want to win is the Grand National. Yeah, no doubt. That's, yeah, I was waiting for that answer. <laughs> you know, you grew up in California. You spend a lot of time and reside in Illinois. What do you claim, man? Are you California, Illinois? What What are you picking? Definitely California. I, you know, said I don't like the uh, cold. Illinois is tough. I mean, it's got Springfield, it's got Peoria, but uh, there's not very much good there right now. I'm not. I'm currently not there. Um, I still have a house there, have some rental properties there. My son's there for another couple months until he goes to college. But, um, uh, yeah, definitely not Illinois. I'm in California. All right. So here's just a wild, you know, wild thing, uh, totally made up. But if you had to, uh, do life in prison and you can choose your cellmate, <laughs> who would you rather have as your cellmate? Uh, Gary Rogers, who was a former national number 53, a guy you grew up with and uh, rode for his dad. Uh, just to let our listeners know, who would you rather have as, as a cellmate, Gary Rogers or Johnny Murphy? Whew, that's rough. I don't really <laughs> think uh, prison is a place for Sean Russell. You're stuck on an island. You're stuck on an island. I don't think I fare well. There was there might be a story. Uh, one time, me and Willie McCoy were in handcuffs, and uh, I was thinking that uh, we were going to get to try that out. But fortunately, we were in the right place, and and somebody knew us, and we got out of it. But um, uh, yeah, prison. Ooh, that's rough. I, I don't know. There's a lot of different stories on both of those guys. Uh, a lot of fun times. That's a, that's a tough one. 
Pick your poison. Pick your poison. Mm. Man, I, I <laughs> guess thinking about it. I'd have, go, I'd have to go with Gary. I mean, Johnny, he just eats too much, and you're in prison. I mean, I, I might starve to death or something, you know. That guy, I've never seen somebody eat so much. He, he had to have had a whole leg and be as skinny as he was. Gary, he doesn't eat anything. I mean, he's super picky, so at least I can survive on some bread and and uh, the milk that you're going to get in prison. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I'm going to change. This is the last one. I'm going to change it up a bit from what we had. But who would you rather get chewed out by, Craig Rogers or Bill Warner? I've been chewed out by Craig Rogers. I would when I was uh, younger. You know, when I go back to California, I'd work for him a little bit here and there. And uh, I remember one day it rained, and we were all going to Clear Creek, and. Uh, I called him that morning, and or I call. I was uh, working for his electrician, I think. I called him and said, "Hey, I'm not coming in. I got something come up, and like they needed me there super bad." And um, it was just hard to pass up those days at Clear Creek when, when it rained like that. And uh, you know, Johnny and Jake and and the whole gang was there. Danny Malfatti and. Um, so I went riding, and my phone was ringing. Clear Creek, you have no cell phone service. I got back to phone service, and, oh, my gosh, the voicemails were tough. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I definitely got some from Craig. Yeah, Craig's a sleeper, man. He's quiet, but he's one of them. You wake the, you wake the grizzly bear up, you're going to hear him. You know I mean? That... That's pretty. That's, I wish you saved them voicemails, man. We could have dropped them on. Yeah, Craig. He he's good when when he likes you. He's good. You should go ride around in his truck with him at work and uh, listen to the way that he talks to his employees. You're like, <laughs> you don't know how they come back every day. They don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on, dude. I miss see. I miss talking to you. I miss seeing you at the track. Uh, hopefully, you can make it to one of these races this year. I don't know. I guess. I guess we're going to Springfield. It's on the schedule, but yeah, man, just hope you're doing well. And uh, again, it was good chatting with you and hearing some of these stories. Yeah. Likewise, uh, like I said, I don't know uh, where I'll be. I'm, I'm closer to Daytona than I am Springfield at this point. So, uh, um, maybe we'll see it somewhere. Like I said, it'd be good to see all my friends and all the people at the track. Uh, good luck with uh whenever you guys get a race it's good seeing you it was good to see you win the championship last year so continue that and uh i appreciate you having me on the show thanks for coming on sean it was it was nice to catch up man and uh like Corey said i hope to see you at a race sooner than later yeah likewise thanks see you buddy thanks hey man see ya. Ciao. sean russell i didn't know sean was a chow kind of guy uh, hey, what language is chow that's french right <laughs> Uh, it's fancy that's all i know ciao yeah 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 that guy's dude that guy's so cool that guy's literally one of the nicest guys i've ever met in terms of former riders no ego just super awesome to talk to i'm glad we got to have him on the show and the guy's still in really good shape he rides he could go out there and i hope he doesn't ride production twins because like shit (laughs) like that would be he's capable he'd be a tough he'd be a tough out yeah, no, nah, Sean's awesome. It's good to have him on, dude. He's he's raced a long time. He looks young, but he's been at it. He's got. He said he just got a kid getting ready to go to college. Man, that's crazy. That's nuts. That means I could have a kid that's old enough to go to college. Yeah, that's maybe crazy. you do. You, maybe you know, maybe I do. Yeah, you know, there's there's always a chance. Yeah, Carter just 
he just typed in that Chow is Italian. So um, that's fun. We learn something new every day, Sammy. Sneak, Man, Sammy. I uh, feel like an idiot now that it's Italian. Like, uh, duh. That yeah, I get it. Chow, Rossi, man. Yeah. Oh uh, man. Yeah. If I thought about it long enough, I would have got that right. But no, nah, it's a good show. We appreciate all the sponsors once again. Bell Power Sports. All three champions last year wore Bell helmets. Make sure you check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. The quality and safety is unmatched. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. I want to give a shout-out to Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, commercialroofsystems.net. Check them out. Jerry does a lot for the sport, supports our podcast. Um, if you're in the market for a commercial roof or you know anybody that is a business, make sure you hit him up. And also the Moto America series, motoamerica.com. Check them out. Check their schedule out. Get the Moto America Live package. It's awesome. The coverage is excellent. Good racing. And I want to give a shout-out also, Fredericktown Yamaha in Frederick, Maryland. Check them out. FredericktownYamaha.com, 301-663-8333. If you need any kind of parts for your motorcycle, dirt bike, all kinds of stuff, helmets, yeah, um, you know, hit up Fredericktown Yamaha. Call Ian Riley. Kind of a, a sad news for, for this show. I got to announce... The Frederick Barber Fritchie half mile on July 4th is canceled. So super bummed about that. I love that racetrack. I've, I've been able to win it in the past. I was looking forward to racing it this year, but unfortunately they are unable to have races there at, at this time with everything going on. So the 99th running of the Frederick Fritchie half mile will run next season, 2021. Um, Ian confirmed that to me. So Put it on the schedule for next year and the year before, because that'll be the 100th, July 4th every year. Put that on your schedule. We're going to keep promoting that race. It's a, one of the best races of the year anywhere you go. And, yeah, I'm super bummed we're not going to be able to run that event. I'm, I'm so bummed, man, about Frederick. To me, that that is old school. It doesn't get more old school or more dirt track than Frederick. The oldest running, uh, oldest continuous running half mile in the country. Uh, just about a... Anybody you could think of throughout the years has, has ridden and raced there. So uh, I'm, I'm bummed, man, that it's not going to happen. But we'll, I, I know uh, I'll see you there at the 100th, Corey. I know uh, I'll be there, and I hope to see all you guys there for the 100th Barber Fritchie Classic. Yeah, I mean, what is that? He'll be – I guess Cruz will be able to race the 100th. I'm trying to think. Three – yeah. Can be one of those protests. Mind. You'll be one of those protests. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm one of them guys. I can see it now. Well, I'm not going to protest, but I'll, I'll be the protestee like, or whatever. The, You know, I'll be the one getting protested. So, um, yeah, that'll be exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. The Riley family, man. Ian, like, I call that guy a few times a week with my motocross bike and other things I need, and he always takes the time to dial me in people i know that go into the shop it's just a it's a family-owned dealership there's not a ton of them left and they love racing love the sport you couldn't meet a nicer family so it, it, like like i said if you need need anything for your bike motorcycle hit them guys up not much else going on if you guys are interested in becoming a sponsor of the show hit us up send me a message hit up sammy on facebook we have the track mention special where you know if you're having a race coming up or an event you want it mentioned on the show and on social media hit us up we have a special for that supercross going on watching supercross every three days which is cool yeah just not a heck of a lot going on i guess but we're getting closer and closer 
Yeah, man. And uh, just uh, my little uh, bonus, I guess, uh, to throw in on the deal. If, uh, y- as Corey mentioned, if you got a race that you want to promote and, uh, you know, want us to give a shout out, we're making it pretty easy for you. And uh, like I said, my little bonus uh, to sweeten the pot a little bit, I'll go ahead and pump you up through my Instagram as well. So we want to hear about racing. We want to spread the word. and We, we want to pack racetracks. Hell yeah. Sammy's got really good engagement on his pages. So hit us up. It's a hell of a deal. Yeah, We're I think sales I, guys. Yeah, we, we don't sell cars or anything, but yeah. uh, not much else, buddy. Let's let's wrap this up. We'll hit you yeah. guys next week with a new episode. Thanks for all the support. Follow us on social media and subscribe. SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. We're out. Peace. Ciao.